Yeah, the ability to make decisions. And they don't have to be right decisions. That's another thing where people get hung up a lot. And people that I've mentored in my past is people get hung up with just kind of a you know paralysis there sometimes, you know, paralysis from analysis. But you have to be willing to make the decision. And then you also have to be willing to own it when it's wrong so you can pivot and go the other way. And I promise you, I've made more bad decisions than I do good ones on any given day. <laughs> The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by CBRE. CBRE is a global leader in real estate operations, providing solutions to the world's largest energy, oil, and gas companies. CBRE supports their clients' facilities, both upstream and downstream, without compromising safety by delivering strategies that optimize operations, reduce costs, and risks. Unlock the power of your energy, oil, and gas portfolio with CBRE. Learn more at www.cbre.com forward slash EOG. Before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to ask everyone, like I ask every week, to please support the show by taking a few moments to leave a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested in getting your hands on some OGGN laptop or hard hat stickers, check out the show notes for a 10-second survey, and we'll get Audrey to send those out to you. All right. Well, I'm sitting here today with Alan Thomas. Chief Executive Officer of Association for Materials Protection and Performance. How are you, Alan? Doing well. Thank you Good. very much. Well, let's talk about how you get started in the industry. Well, it's uh, kind of twofold. So I'll speak to it in two industries, if you will. So our profession is in the association management industry, but I also spent a good deal of time in the materials protection space as I managed a coding applicator company here mm-hmm. in Houston. So I got into association work like a lot of people do strictly by accident. I did not even know there was such a thing. And so I was hired on early, early in my career to work in a leadership role at the Safety Council in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And that was a nonprofit that focused on occupational safety and health training, primarily for contractors in the petrochemical and refining markets in Southeast Louisiana. So spent some time there and began to learn and really enjoy working with volunteer leaders and running a mission-based, purpose-driven organization. And so that's where I got my start into the association world. Very good. Very good. Didn't you go to seminary? I did. Yes, I did. Went to New Orleans Baptist Seminary and completed my bachelor's degree there. I did almost all of my work at LSU in political science. And with just a few hours short of completing that degree, I up and switched programs and uh, went to seminary and completed my bachelor's degree there. Good for you. What a combination of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And I'm actually from Louisiana. So. Okay. Where from? Uh, Crowley. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got family in Baton Rouge and all that stuff too. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know, Paige. I didn't know. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about AMP and what you do there. And what it's all about, really. Sure, sure. So we are the world leader in all things related to protection and the performance of materials. 
That could be anywhere from composite materials, carbon steel, stainless alloys, concrete, you name it. So our members, 33 plus thousand members worldwide that uh, basically embark on a daily mission to eradicate corrosion from our lives. They work effortlessly to try to bring more sustainable materials into the workplace, into the construction fields, and working with preserving existing infrastructure to the best of their abilities. Very good. Can you explain why that is so incredibly important? Well, there's multiple ways into it. I think probably the most dramatic attention getting way into that is anytime you would see a bridge failure or a condominium that collapses, anytime that there's an unfortunate loss of life. It is due to you know, a corroded material or a corroded infrastructure of a building or a bridge or a highway or a ship or anything like that. You know, our members are not only working to save infrastructure, they're also working on a daily basis to save people's lives. It's that important. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Is that also applicable to offshore platforms, the coatings part? Yeah, that's a pretty harsh environment. Uh, so not just offshore oil and gas platforms, but now we see a big push for the offshore wind industry that faces a lot of the same corrosive elements that the you know, oil and gas industry has known for many years offshore. Right. And I don't think a lot of people understand that the seawater causes that to happen a lot quicker than normal. Yeah. Seawater and oxygen are pretty rough combination on, the, <laughs> on metal. All right. Well, so let's get into leadership. What is leadership to you, Alan? That's a great question. I get asked that a lot. And, you know, in all honesty, I think, you know, maybe other people would agree, but my, my definition of that has changed over the years. And so where I am at this stage in my life and for the past few years, for me, leadership really is about results. And it's not as much about the popular stuff that you see that sells books, attributes and things of that nature, because, you know, there's leaders of all different, all different kinds, all different motives, all different backgrounds, all different skill sets, attributes, personality traits. They are very diverse. So at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, you know, what is it really about? What is the leader about? What is the leadership about? It has to be about achieving results, in my opinion. Very good. And what type of results do you expect? Well, it depended upon the context, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a quarterback or a football coach, the results, you know, are a championship game. If it's a business like AMP, you know, the results that we would like to be known for as leaders of the association are improved user experience, improved membership experience around the globe, that we're seeing a material difference being made in the life and the performance of the materials that our members are in charge of. Mm-hmm. We'd like to see a result of a more sustainable future, right? We have a very big role to play in sustainability worldwide. So those are the kind of results that would be meaningful to us as staff and also to our membership. Very good. So do you have an example of a difficult experience you've had in leadership? Probably the most that would really fit the context of your listeners. When I was working in the material space, so we owned and operated a coatings applicator I mentioned earlier. And our market was exclusively oil and gas. And then within that market, the sectors that we focused on were offshore and subsea. Mm-hmm. So in 2015, if you were in the business around then, you will remember that that was a very dark two and a half years in the cycle of oil and gas here in the U.S. Yep. So leading a business through that where 100% of our customer base was in that space, we had to pivot 
after about 18 months, that's as long as we could sustain it. We had to pivot to an entirely different sector. That was really difficult. We lost some good employees. We lost a whole lot of margin. And then we were able to build our way back, fortunately, and learn some new skills and serve a new market to be able to sustain the business. That was the most difficult leadership experience to be able to carry a group of people through that and keep them motivated, keep them focused. That was tough. Yeah. Don't want to repeat that again. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) So what's the most rewarding thing about being in leadership? Results, (laughs) in my opinion. Yeah, so for me, you know, there's nothing greater than seeing a team, you know, come together and achieve the result that they hoped for. They've worked for, for, or even better if you've exceeded that expectation. But, you know, when you see people do something together that is a stretch or possibly they even believe they could do together, when you get to that end and that result, that's what makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. What book has influenced you the most? I can see your shelf of books back there. I've got a a kind of a go-to list that I had created several years back for each of my daughters to provide to them. So I'll give you my top five. Okay. If you want. So the number one book that has influenced my life is the Bible is the first one. The second one is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Yep. I think that probably is on a lot of people's top three books. I use those principles still. I think I read that book back in mid-1990s, maybe 95, 96. I still use them today. It's a great book. There's another one called The Leadership Challenge was a phenomenal book. One called The Big Leap. Mm. And then recently I've read one that is, again, I would recommend to anyone. It's by David Cook. It's a small book called Greatness, but it's really unique. It's The word greatness is spelled with a lowercase g mm. in the title, which gives you some indication about it. It's about personal greatness, but it's about personal greatness for the betterment of all the other people that are around you. It's how to become great to the point where you make other people's lives great. Ah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. It's really good. Very good. Very good. What would you say is your most used business tool? Oh, it's one of those things that try to explain to your kids, you know, what do you do for work? (laughs) (laughs) For me, Paige, it's always been decision making. At the end of the day, it comes down to being able to make very clear decisions and most of the time in very ambiguous situations, not having all the facts or the details, but still having to move forward. That's the number one business tool I've used for probably the last 20 years. That's a great answer. I haven't heard that one yet. Usually people go straight to email or their phone or anything like that. But no, that's a different answer. And I really like that. Yeah, the ability to make decisions. And they don't have to be right decisions. That's another thing where people get hung up a lot. And people that I've mentored in my past is people get hung up with just kind of a you know paralysis there sometimes, you know, paralysis from analysis. But you have to be willing to make the decision. And then you also have to be willing to own it when it's wrong. So you can pivot and go the other way. And I promise you, I make more bad decisions than I do good ones on any given day. <laughs> but I'm not fearful of it because I'm happy to own it and pick it up and go the other direction and go for the result that we need. Very good. Very good. I like that. That might be my favorite answer for that question ever. Well, thank you. Good. What would you say is your most important lesson learned? It was during that, well, there's two, right? So I would say walking backwards, the most important one I learned during that downturn in 2015 to 2018 is that things can always get worse. That's very true. That was my biggest takeaway. I can't tell you how many board of directors meetings I sat in and we looked at charts and financial graphs and 
said, surely this cannot get any worse. And then we would meet the following month and get, yep, it got worse. <laughs> so the moral of the story is don't say this can't get any worse. <laughs> that was my number one takeaway. Anytime I've moved out of a role, I try to do a lessons learned so that I can hopefully not repeat some of the mistakes that I made. That was the number one when I sat down and did my lessons learned from working in the coding space and oil and gas. The number one lesson was it can always get worse. Yeah. Yeah. The other lesson I learned early in my career, probably I was still in my early 30s, and that is that you really have to care about your people, but you have to do it in a way that they recognize it. That makes sense. Yeah. So because people care in different ways, right? Yeah. We all have different love languages. 100%, right? I learned really early on that when I think I might be communicating or I might be showing that I care about Someone or, or my team or my staff, that's not always the case in their eyes or ears. So I have to be very attuned to that and to communicate in a way that lets people know that I do care. How long did it take you to figure that out? Oh, gosh, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I ever said I figured it out. I just knew it. I said it was important. <laughs> I trip on that. Like a lot of people, you know, whatever you call them, either type A personalities or people who are real driven. And I am very results oriented. And so I focus on the results. A lot of times that gets interpreted as not focused on the people that get the results, right? Mm -hmm. Which I learned a long time ago that you will never achieve the result for the group if you don't have the group with you, right? And they're the ones that are important and make it happen. So that's a lesson I learned. I, I continue to learn daily, Paige, and hopefully one day I'll get it down. Well, when you do, please let me know. <laughs> I sure will. Okay, so why is your role now important to the future of this industry? Well, I think it's not so much my role that's important to the future of the industry as it is our members that are important to the future of the industry. What AMP does is we provide a platform for members and asset owners and people in the architecture space and the coding space and the cathodic protection space to all come together to really achieve that greater purpose, right? And trying to create a sustainable future that has uh, safe, reliable materials in it and infrastructures from buildings and housing to bridges and ships and rail and air and aerospace. And we're seeing a lot of amazing stuff that's happening in the biomedical space with coatings and material protection and performance there. So our members literally are in every single facet of business around the world and livelihoods. And so my role is just to help make sure we operate in an efficient manner and that we achieve the goals that our board sets out for us. But the real value is our membership and what they're trying to achieve. Good, good. So what are your thoughts about telling someone about the oil and gas industry that doesn't understand the industry? Because I feel like there's so much misinformation about what the industry actually does and that it's not going anywhere. Well, that's a tough, they, you know, I feel you know horrible. They, they really get a black eye in a lot of areas that is unfortunate for one and just really false for the most part. I've been in the oil and gas space for almost you know 30 years. I was in the regulatory side of the house in the United States Coast Guard, worked with all the major asset owners from offshore to inland, from inland transportation to shipping. Oh, you used to check all the nav aids and stuff. I used to. No, file. no, I didn't do that. No? Those were some friends of mine. No, I checked. <laughs> I was in regulatory compliance with mainly offshore oil tankers. Oh, okay. We did you know, all the inspections, safety inspections, environmental inspections. 
and then I've managed more oil spills and hazardous material spills than I ever want to remember. Oh my. From the Raven Sword side there. In fact, when I got out of the Coast Guard, I worked with a friend of mine. We helped start a business that did, you know, oil spills and hazardous material cleanup and then moved into the industrial cleaning space and things like that. So, you know, I kind of cut my teeth in the oil and gas industry and I've been in or around it pretty much for most of my career, except for a short stint in commodity trading. It's an industry that is truly you know, global and it, it positively affects every part of our daily life from the moment you're up all the way through the night while you're sleeping. Yeah, You are interacting, we are interacting with some byproduct of the oil and gas industry. And it's really unfortunate a lot of the bad rap that they take. Yeah, yeah. Especially the protesters. That's been interesting lately. <laughs> yeah, if there's a, would ever be a way you could create a day without it, right? A day without oil and gas and see what that would look like. I think the protests would probably come to a halt real quick. Yeah, I would hope so. It literally runs the entire world. But from what I know, the company I was in recently with the last few years, they're playing the biggest financial role in the energy transition process. And so they're just so valuable. That industry is so valuable to mankind. It'd be hard to imagine life without it. I agree. I agree. So, Alan, do you have a favorite podcast? I do. There's a couple of them. There's one called Masters of Scale mm -hmm. that I really do enjoy. That one's great. And kind of, this one may sound hokey, but I do like the Harvard Business Review. Mm, yeah. They, they really all have some good content. And those are two. Now, of course, yours is now my new favorite. <laughs> <Right>? so, <laughs> those are two of my older ones. So now I'm converted over to you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. So if people want to reach out to you and get to know more about AMP, how might they go about doing so, Alan? Probably the best way would be to interact with us through our website, and that's ampp.org, mm -hmm. amp.org. I think that my contact information is there. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll just put your LinkedIn in there. That'd be great. That'd be fine. You can reach me through LinkedIn for sure. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on, Alan. I really appreciate you. Paige, thank you for having me. I, I've enjoyed it very much. I hope you'll have me back again sometime. Awesome. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.